The best revenge is to be unlike him who performed the injury. Marcus Aurelius. Bending Not Breaking, Season 3, Episode 16, The Southern Raiders. And we're back for Bending Not Breaking. Boy, that was a weird tonation that you went, like the, the structure of the sounds that you made and the tones that you used seemed very... I don't want to uh, critique you on your intro. Seemed very... I don't know. Dissonant? You're going to call me off of that? I totally do. I critique you almost every time. (laughs) It just seemed like... It seemed like you doing that was an act of revenge of some sort. No. It just felt targeted and... I wanted to subvert the power of you having control of the welcome back. It just seemed off. I I think it seemed on. It just seemed seemed off well i'm sunshine mayfield and this is ben and this has been bending not breaking and with us uh not always wasn't here bending, not ben, bending, not this okay, is i got it this is what max wasn't here last time what so all That's the poor what? audio max quality is always here in, pre- in for spirit. episode 15 yeah i was here oh two weeks ago that is correct and he's back now, which is lovely. We love that he's here. I can't Max believe is, you forgot that I was here last week. Max is like super busy all the time now, and we have to like plan around his schedule. He's got <sighs> real. He's got real jobs and real working, and and unlike he me. does those things, and then does this on the side for uh, no money. We're working on it. I'm just very kind. He is very kind. Ben, I love that opening quote. Thanks. That was really nice. Because we're going to talk about. Revenge, revenge today. today. Yeah. Um. And there's, the it's a really good episode to talk about revenge. I mean, because yeah. like of things that Be- happen. It actually like came up in the episode twice. It did. Like the whole thing almost. Was, yeah, but like, was, like literally about the word this. came up twice. When you have to point to the screen and be like, "There it is! There it is! I found it!" You know, the DiCaprio. Yeah. yeah. So it came up. Uh, twice. Let's just let's just jump in. No. Well, how, how have you been? If you don't want to jump in, let's talk about you. How's I, life? I was th- thinking you should do your recap. That's what I was talking about. Oh, yeah, I was. I was. I'm gonna. You do were just. It. I thought you were implying you were just gonna jump into the conversation. No, about, you know all the good stuff. That it's, we talk it about. is an episode that is time for me to do the recap. Oh, it as always your time to do the recap. No, but it is this time. Yes. All right. Yes, it is. Pull up the timer. Yeah, uh, let me I'm crack ready. my knuckles and, and twist my neck and do all the popping and the things. Mark, and let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, do this. As the gang wakes up, they are attacked by warships. Appa got to fly out uh, of the of the fires, and Katara is the one to pull Zuko back into Appa, which is really interesting. Katara is still upset with Zuko, and Katara speaks about Zuko's betrayal and. Zuko goes and asks Sokka about what's going on, and then Katara and him decide that they're going to go try to find the people that hurt her mother, and then they do that, and they, they go on this journey, and they raid a, a thing, and then they get more information, and then Katara gets to go see if she wants to actually hurt this guy, and she chooses not to, which is a really brave decision and courageous, Three, and then two, they fly back. One. It was a fun little field trip for them. Yeah, You see, you had time for that, and then you just like kept going. You, you almost had a perfect round, and then you ruined it. I think it was very, I think it was good. I liked it. Nine out of ten. Wow. Listeners, what would you rate that recap? Would you rate it a nine out of ten? As they, sh- it was a nine out of ten. 
That's why it got that rating. I'm I'm very unbiased. No, your rating. <laughs> Thanks, Max. That's, that's, Max doesn't rate things. It's, it's great, great, great contribution. I loved it. Revenge, revenge. Let's talk about it. Yeah, just say revenge more. Revenge, <laughs> revenge. Yeah, Count what is revenge? Uh, Isn't there a show called Revenge? I don't know. I've never seen it. It's called Scandal. No, but I'm pretty sure there's also <laughs> a show called Revenge. Revenge? Ravage? I'm going to go look it up. Ben, what's revenge? You know... True Blood? I don't really know what revenge is. never watched True Blood. Is it good? Isn't there a character in this show called Suki? Suki, yeah. There's Suki, and then there's Suki, right? (laughs) Suki. Okay. All right. So... Yeah, when we're talking about revenge, we're not talking about the 44-minute drama that started in 2011 and went to 2015 that aired on ABC called Revenge, which is about an emotionally troubled young woman who sets out to exact revenge against the people who wronged her father. This seems unnecessary. The show creator, the the showrunner, was Mike Kelly... Yeah, you're not defining Starred revenge. Madeline Stowe, Emily Van Camp, Gabrielle Mann. These were people on the show I'm, Revenge. I feel like I'm learning 89 less episodes. and less about revenge as Wait, you Do you talk. mean Gabriel Mann, the guy who sings OK Alone? Can you sing that? I've never heard that song. Or you could just tell me what revenge is. I know. Means. OK, it's all right with me. I know that one. That's not Gabriel Mann. No, I can't help you there. I'm about to take revenge for y'all wasting my time. Is that how that works? What are you? No. What are you avenging? What are you revenging, you revenger? My loss of time. All right. Do you take revenge, or do you exact revenge, or do you like give revenge, or avenge and revenge do you the exact same thing? Exact revenge, or do you estimate revenge? You know, we've done a whole lot of talking about revenge without talking about revenge. <laughs> I'm revengelical. Okay. All right, we're moving on. So to, uh, dictionary.com has revenge as to exact punishment or expiation for a wrong on behalf of, especially in a resentful or vindictive spirit. And the example they give is he revenged his murdered brother. So wouldn't that be the same as avenged? I don't know. What's the difference? I don't know. But the other definition... Y'all seem well prepared for this. I actually to take, took notes on this, and yet this did not come up. Or to inflict punishment or to avenge. That's the second definition. So, moral of the what story... What if the Avengers was called the Revengers? That wouldn't sound as good. What was the Revenge Cinematic Universe? Uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh. It, looks, it seems like Avenge would be I'm exacting... I'm avenging someone else or another entity, where revenge is more for personal gain. Interesting. Or personal retribution. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, 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 That's cool. Okay. Cool. Learn something new. Revenge. Yeah. It's a two-headed rat viper, man. Yeah, man. Absolutely. For sure. Uh, which, all right, so let's, what do you want to jump in? What was, the <laughs> mo- what was the moment of revenge? Besides that moment, first of all, like, good for Aang for just, like, being this podcast for a minute, or, you know, yeah. uh, us trying to be... Aang. Aang. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you worded that. Aang just... We should... Dang. We should get Aang as we a guest. We should get Aang yeah, as a guest. The character, not not the actor. Um, we could do both. Yeah, anyways. Anyway. So, I want to start from the beginning. So, the narrative, the intro, is all... It's, it's not about revenge, right? So, the Fire Nation... Hundred Year War, they've been the worst. And Katara in the intro, there I do not sense 
her in that intro saying, I want to get revenge. What I do sense is something else. And so it's like, it's about saving the world. It's about, it's about justice. It's about doing what's right. Balance. It's not about revenge. It's not about vindictive uh, exacting on, on one's behalf. Right. It, Correct. It, right. And so I, I'm interested to, as we talk through this episode to talk about the, like the motivational quality of revenge, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. What drives someone to need to exact revenge? And what is a more powerful motivator? Yeah. Because frankly, I would argue based off just that example, uh, that revenge isn't necessarily something that's going to motivate the world to for change, right? However, saying, hey, I want justice, that seems like a more powerful motivator. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Something to consider. I don't have very much data for that. Well, I think for, for me it's... And let's just jump into it. Let's jump into the moment we are speaking of. The moment. The moment. Katara gets her man, Yon ra and has the chance to to throw ice daggers at him. For sure. Chooses not to. I think we all can agree, like, good on Katara. But some people might be like, no. Like, if, No, he he deserved like, that. What would Kiyoshi do, right? Or would she? I don't know. I haven't read the books yet, so. I'm like eight chapters into the first one, and I like it. Um, I think you get this powerful moment, and I think that, as much as we say it and as much as it gets repetitive, I think it really, when you talk about your cornerstone, your values, acting inside of those is going to be a really good motivator. What are those values? And again, for you, even if someone's acting outside of your values, it is your responsibility to act in service of those values. What are the things that are most important to you? If it's love, belonging, compassion, whatever it is, that's how you. That needs to be a cornerstone in your decision-making process. That shaped all of my notes for this episode, honestly. So, like, wh- like how, like, the beginning of the episode, Katara's act- acting outside of what I would say her values typically are. Which we do right? when we are scared, when we are well, angry, when we are hungry, well, when we are, when survival's on to, the line. And I want to talk about that. But yeah. I think one of the, and like, so what is causing her to be outside of her values in this moment? And, right, the, the trigger for me that I, like, am sensing is this, she feels betrayed by Zuko. There's anger there. And there is lingering anger and blame towards Zuko, who is the embodiment of the Fire Nation to her, right? But the it's not at Zuko. I think it's like starts there. Well, he even calls it out like he even says to Sokka, I think she's dealing with a lot, and I think I'm the cat like I'm the, exactly. the punching back for that. And like, first of all, Let's talk about Zuko's emotional growth to be able to sit there and say, like... Your boy Iroh is a good teacher, Yeah, what I'm saying. To be able to sit there and say, and recognize, she's yelling at me, and I think I understand. One, I understand that I made her mad, and two, I understand that I'm also getting the brunt of all of this. And I'm like, I want to help her. That's his response, is like, I want to help her. I think it's beautiful. Then that kind of steers a little bit away when... (laughs) When he starts, like, they talk about revenge versus forgiveness. And Aang's like, we really need to give forgiveness. And Zuko's like, well, okay, Mr. Mister no med Temple guy. <laughs> um, as, a, as a person who needed and looked for that forgiveness not three episodes ago, right? And is yeah. still looking for it. So for him to be like, 
no forgiveness here. <laughs> it's kind of like, but we do that. Like, it's not unrealistic. Sure. Like At the absolutely. same time, very ironic. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, going back to this moment with Katara, I think one of the things that's really worth highlighting is that we, when we are in a place that is causing us to be outside of our, our values, that's when we are most more prone, rather, to revenge mentality. Correct. Right? And so, and I think that this is a really great case study in that, because we see it. Katara is is cornered in this moment. She has to spend time with Zuko. He's being praised. Every time he gets a moment of praise from one of the group, it feels like a dagger to her, because it's not that they're praising him, it's that they're praising everything that he represents. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's... When he hasn't atoned to her that's yet. That's really tough to navigate. Right. Right? I just think that's really important. Um, and, let's look, and, and Aang names it. Aang, like, she says, no, I need to go do this. And you, you don't understand. And Aang's like, no, I, I do. It's unbelievable pain and rage. I felt this with Appa. I did. Like, he, he, he does all the things that are recommended to be empathetic towards one another. Mm-hmm. Right? He like and he does a like he speeds through them, but he kind of goes through the steps. Well, and sometimes you don't want to do it as quickly as he did. Yeah, you don't necessarily you have to save space, right? Yeah, so you don't necessarily want to say, "I know how you feel. All these things happened to me. I also feel pain," which valid and yes. And sometimes you just need to say, "I've been there before. You're right. It stinks." Let's sit here for and, a second and sit at well, that. Well, and that's what it is, and that's like that's what I was going to name is that Aang is like going through the motions and doing what's right, and he's trying to turn the light on by doing it a little too fast. So like it's like hey, the let's turn on the light because this is what we want to do. We want to get through this, right? And so like revenge is the wrong answer, like and blah 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 blah. blah. And in that moment, Katara's like, no, he's a monster. He deserves it. And so what happened there is. He says, you're starting to sound like Jet. And that moment hit hard for me. Mm-hmm. Right? Because when we start to act like people who in our past we have condemned for their behavior. And I am so, I'm going to be so defensive if someone says I'm acting like someone that I don't. That it, I the door immediately shuts. Exactly. Which, we, so we need to not do that. It, yes, and... <laughs> She was. Yes. She was starting to use dehumanizing language. She was starting to use the same language that Jet used in Jet's episode in whatever season that is, right? It would be season one. Yeah. I think episode 10. Well done. Mm-hmm. Good for you. But, like, I, I just, it's, it's rough. That moment's rough. And it's just, we see this progression. Like, revenge becomes easier when we dehumanize. Yes. So, my question yeah. is, in this moment, would it have been more appropriate as a response to Katara if we didn't want her to go on this mission if that's the goal it may not be the goal but like how do we get her to humanize Yan Ra mm-hmm. right I think that's that's the question for me is when revenge is the object of someone's thought process is the answer to that humanizing the cause of said revenge. And I do not want to diminish the fact that like there are some times when that is definitely not the right answer, right? Like you want to empathize and let it be. And like, they are, they're not in a place again. The light is not ready to go on. This is not trying to like get them to accept what happened to them. 
it is a like is that a place is that a source of healing is humanizing that person a source of healing can it be and maybe not right like this is oddly tied to our forgiveness episode and like because I mean, they're counterparts yeah so it's just it's interesting what are you tell me what are you thinking right now what's going through well, your head he asked he has a question that i really enjoyed but they blow past it he ang okay says what do you think this is going to accomplish yes that's a great question i think that's a wonderful question he does it a little bit more pointed a little bit more it's like accusatory. Uh, it's accusatory correct what do you think this is going to accomplish versus what do you hope that this accomplishes? Because that's a question that will really allow someone to dive in and think, well, I want closure. I love she says that question. That. I want closure. What does closure look like? I don't know. Let's figure that out or try to figure that out prior to you confronting him. Well, and I think one of the things that we learned from suicide prevention education is naming things is important. And so talking about it is important. And so when you're talking about the death of another human, right, saying, I, I think naming it is important. Saying, hey, what will, uh, what will happen if this person, like you want revenge, you want this person to be gone, right? What will it accomplish to literally take his life? And I think we see from Katara through this progression of the episode that, that that's not what she wants, Right? That's not what she wants. She wants justice. She wants this system to have never happened that put this man in this place to make that decision. Right? This man is not, like, is a problem. He's not the problem. Right? Correct. And I... He's, he's a symptom of a much bigger problem. Yes. Exactly. Which is the cultural and imperialism of what's going on in this I'm, I'm sensing that we're going to get some pushback just from listeners, and I'm excited to hear it because there's, there's, this is a complicated issue. Well, it's one of those things that it, you feel so emotionally, right? Yeah. This idea of someone did so much wrong to me, I need them to feel the pain that I am feeling. And the reality is, and this is tough, that doesn't fix it. That doesn't make your pain go away. I mean, as Aang says... It's like a two-headed rat viper, right? right? It, which is, it, it's that's that's cartoony. That's a that's a cartoony imagery that is well, a, an the, animal that we know. But in the points there, and it, it's causing someone else that pain does not make your pain go away. It might numb it. It's playing off but an it's actual not quote. Stop it, right? It's playing off the actual quote, uh, or not actual quote, but like a quote from a, an actual human of, uh, it's like taking poison expecting the other person to die it's nelson mandela right I believe. uh but it's 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 one of those things where like yeah i mean it's 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 tough because forgiving yan ra what's what what good will that do right and that's the other thing i don't necessarily like she says like i'm never gonna forgive him i don't think she has to i agree i don't think that you have to live in this moment of i have to forgive everyone who's ever done something wrong to me to, to move on with my life or to heal. I don't think forgiveness is necessarily the option. I do think owning it as a part of your story and, and rumbling with it is something that you need to do. Yes. So you do need to rumble with those feelings. You do need to, to hash out why you feel a certain way and how to navigate those feelings because feelings are biological responses. They're not just this weird like... Um, it's like, communication, it's, it's, right? Your body is telling you things. So you have to navigate those things to be able to deal with that type of trauma 
you don't necessarily have to forgive. Doesn't mean you can't. Doesn't mean that you might feel better if you forgive. But it is more about rumbling with those feelings on a regular basis basis and learning how to navigate them than it is forgive and forget because that's yeah. not a thing. I love the the moment where she says, I will never forgive him because I don't think she has to. Yeah. I She she will need to rumble with those feelings yes. for the rest of her well, life. And I, and I think a lot of times when people say forgive and forget, what I, I think could also be part of the communication is this is affecting you in a way that's harming you. And I want to see you be able to let go of that, of this from control. I want you to, I don't want this to control you anymore. Correct. Right. And so people assume and, but like, and ascribe forgiveness as the cure to that. And that's not always the cure, right? Sometimes it is forgiveness and that allows you to let it go. But I think sometimes it's also reckoning with it, rumbling with it, and then making meaning. Making meaning does not necessarily mean that you are forgiving that person, but you are able to take meaning making out of that. And I, and I think it really kind of speaks to um, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross wrote uh, on death and dying, and that was the book that started the five stages of grief, mm-hmm. right? Uh, recently... Uh, well, before she before she died, uh, she partnered with David Kessler, and they came out with on grief and grieving, and that was like uh, honing in on grief specifically. And then David Kessler, uh, very recently in the past couple of years, came out with a sixth stage, right, which is meaning making, and that sixth stage meaning making has been like a really important addition. I think to the grieving process. And I think it's the similar thing here, right? When we are in this pr- place, like Katara is still grieving, right? The, the, the moment where she is in this grief mode, she like, she is still feeling the pain and this has been overwhelming for her. And she's living next to Zuko who is embodying the, the origination of that pain. And so that pain button has been hit and she is in it. And part of that process is meaning making right? She goes through anger. She goes through these depressive episodes. She goes through like bargaining. Well, I have to do this and you have to let me go. And I'm going to like, and like those stages are happening. It's not necessarily sequential and they not, they aren't sequential. And yet meaning making is a big part of it. And so I just think forgiveness isn't always the answer, but you know, meaning making. That's and that's what she needed. She needed to be able to justify why would someone do this. And I think that's where she gets that's where she gets her quote unquote closure by seeing him and saying, "I, you were small, you were empty, you were hollow." Now I don't, you know, that's a, I'm not trying to name call. That's not one of those things that I'm going to do. Sure. Um, and I, I'm not faulting her for it. You know what I mean? There's no... She showed more maturity in this episode than I think I've been able to show in my entire and, lifetime. In like, fans focus on the, the snap at Sokka. We, and we have the, to touch on this, right? right? And as a moment of, oh, Katara's so annoying. You didn't love her like I did. Because, and how dare you say that to Sokka. And clearly he recognizes he's hurt. But that's, we do that. 
We people do, do that. those things. Absolutely. And we especially do them to the people that we're closest exactly. with. Exactly. Because we feel more comfortable. To, like, we wouldn't say that type of thing to a stranger. We're not going to say something very hurtful to a stranger. But we, f- I don't know if it's that we feel like we can get away with it. But we say it. We say those things to our family members more often than we say them to our, you know, coworkers. We say them to our close friends more often than we say them to, you know, the the person we see once a week. So it happens, and we do that. And so that moment is so realistic, and I almost guarantee every single one of us can pinpoint a time in our life where we have done that where we have said that thing to someone not maybe not intentionally trying to be hurtful, but being okay with that. It was hurtful or immediately recognizing how hurtful it was and and backpedaling. But we've done that to a family member, to a friend before and regretted it. And I think that's a moment why people hate it so much or hate that moment is because it's too real. We we see ourselves in it. That's why I think people don't like Cora. Yeah. We'll get to that. We're going to get to that. Um, So, I want to keep talking about this for a second. So what causes her to say that, right? And so, like, what is the the, the impetus, right? She's being confronted. She is on the defensive right mm-hmm. now. And when we're backed into a corner, she goes into fight, flight, or freeze. She's fighting. And she's fighting, right? And it's one of those things where I find that to be incredibly, like, that is a moment where we need to recognize that she is backed into a corner here. We need to recognize that she's feeling defensive. We mm-hmm. need to recognize that because if we can name that and see that, we are able to better understand her why she said that. Well, and she's meaning making. Yes. She, in her head, ex- yes. In her, in her head right now is what she's doing. I am so livid. And if you are not livid, either there are two possible outcomes to this. Either one, I'm overreacting and I'm in the wrong. Or two, you didn't love her like I did and that's why you're not this angry about it. And so instead of saying, I'm in the wrong, it has to be the other option in this moment. Or I'm not willing to accept that I'm in the wrong. And so I'm going to, it's got to be the other option. It's got to be option B. Or there's more options. Yeah. Like, but like, in, but when we're in that mode, we don't consider those. Correct. We, we can't slow down enough. There are definitely more options, and in that moment, when you're in fight or flight, it you, is way more binary. It's tunnel vision, than, right? Exactly. These are the only two options that could possibly be happening. Yeah, I just it's an us versus them mentality, which is which is dangerous. It's I, a comparison is the death of a lot of things, and I think love is in that, right? Yeah. Like the comparison leads to betrayal in a sense and she is mad at zuko for this betrayal but she just betrayed Sokka in a way and i think that it's easier to in this moment for her to be forgiven because we can see that she's in pain but i think that one of those things like they didn't see how much zuko was in pain after he made that decision Mm -hmm. she didn't see how much pain zuko was in after he made that decision when he betrayed her right and it's it's we see like Sokka doesn't even bring this up He's like, I like I I see that she's in pain. I this is my headcanon, but like I think that she, he just knows that this is really painful for her, and he it's it's immediate like release of this is not about me. Well, and we don't see that he doesn't linger on it very often. He says Katara, and yeah. then after they leave, he tells Aang like I was really impressed with the way that you handled that situation. Yeah, um, and seems very much understanding. Um, 
Talk but, about the emotional maturity. You talked about Zuko, but like think about Sokka well, all from, of here, them. from there. Aang, now. Sokka, Zuko. Yeah, that's fair. All of them. They've all grown a ton. Okay, so on on the journey that Zuko takes Katara on to go find the Southern Raiders, we see Katara's not sleeping. Little what, Aang moment. What are your thoughts on that? Daydreams and night, nightmares all over again. Well, to me, it, it, you mentioned this earlier in passing, but like it reminds me of this this HALT acronym that we've talked about before. Hungry, uh, when we're hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, mm-hmm. right? Those are the moments where we act outside of our values. Yes, those things accelerate that. It's, yeah. it's like the opposite of click, right? Like those things, <laughs> yeah. like those things accelerate these harsh feelings. Exactly. Um, which is like why that's why there's so much drama on Survivor is people act differently when you are. Yes. Angry, angry, lonely, and tired. Yeah. And so when all those things. Angry, lonely. I like that. Hangry. When you are hangry. (laughs) When you're hangry, lonely, and tired. For sure. Yeah. I just think that that's really important to to note. I also think it's important to note that the stories we tell ourselves when we are in this moment lead us to make decisions that exacerbate those things. So Katara made the decision to stay awake. Right? Yes. When she could have chosen to take a nap. So, yes. what would have happened had she slept? Have you ever had that moment before? Yes. Or that moment where you're upset yes. and you want to stay upset? Yes. And so, even though you know or are aware of something that might be helpful, you refuse to do this it. This is my so point. So that you can stay angry. Yeah. It's, it has happened to me. Oh, it's absolutely happened to me. A coworker makes me upset, and so instead of going and talking to them about it, which I know is the right thing to do. I'm going to vent to other people. It, yeah. Because I want to be angry. And right that's now. only going to make you feel bad because you're venting. And then you're like, and then it feels like, Oh no, now I'm gossiping on this person. Well, I'm hoping to feel then, justified in the moment. Right. Like I'm yeah. hoping to, yeah, I'm, I'm showing the right. And it doesn't do anything to solve. What is this going to accomplish? I love that question. question. Yeah. It's tough just, to ask that in the moment. Well, it's also like one of those things where I, you know, my favorite thing about this episode is Zuko. Zuko is the most accepting human. Like, oh my goodness. Like there is so little judgment that comes from him all episode. And it's really beautiful. Yes. Sometimes he's enabling the behavior in a way that. I, I, you, mm, uh, yes, and, right? He's taking her, like, hey, I'm going to... She wouldn't have gone to do this without him. She probably couldn't have gone to that's do what, this so without him. That's what I'm, exactly. But she couldn't have gone to do... I think do, the like, moment I'm referring to is what I've already called out was when Aang is trying to have a conversation, and, and Zuko's like, no, no logic right now. We're on a mission, and that's kind of his head space. And I think it's because he's... Is that because that's what he would have wanted in his if he were to... Exp- like, back when he, he was sees going through this. this is a moment of potential um, reconciliation between him and Katara, and so he wants to see it through. You know, I just... I, I do not think that's the only motivation. I think that is Rarely some, are there is there only one motivation. I Yes, and I, maybe I'm arguing that this potentially is more of a motivator than that. But like I just I really think that he has sensed profound empathy and and that has been so healing for him and that non that space of non judgment that space of letting people make like let me make my Iroh let him make so many errors mm-hmm. throughout well, the and- first two seasons he let him make so many errors and 
some could say that Iroh was enabling that. Sure. Right? Yeah. And he was doing the best that he knew how. Mm-hmm. And this is Zuko doing the best that he knows how. Right. And he's got a deep connection when it comes to lost mothers. Yeah. Right? Like, there's just so much empathy to be had here. And I just think he models non-judgment in a way that I've never been able to, to do myself. And I think that's why I'm just envious of him. Because I, I'm like Aang. I'm the... But forgiveness is divine, and you shouldn't do it because forgiveness. And, like, that's my gut reaction. Can you imagine? Point. I I, I don't know what you're talking about. So, anyway, like, I'm the Aang in this moment. I, I'm the admonishing. I'm the one who's like, hey, I'm, like, I don't, I'm not going to stop you, but, like, you shouldn't do it. Right. But Zuko's like, I'm with you, and I support you, mm-hmm. and I'm going to... I'm going to help you do what you feel is best. And that's just, that's hard to mm-hmm. do. That's so hard to do. When he sees her blood bend, that the, the, the ship captain that isn't Yanra, mm-hmm. like you see his eyes go wide his... and then he just gets right back on board. And like, whether that's again, like, should he have had a conversation with her? Hey, Katara, this seems this outside of scary. your values. Right. But like at the same time, you know, it really reminds me of, I've been rewatching Grey's Anatomy recently. And, uh, one, I love that show. Two, uh, we could do, ooh, that, that's what we should do. We could do Bending Not Breaking, Grey's Anatomy Edition. Well, um, that's Max's choice <laughs> at upcom- for an upcoming Patreon episode, maybe. But, uh, the, the Max, deal... Max, you a big Grey's Anatomy guy? Do you want to watch an episode of Grey's? I don't know. What does Grey look like? Why is that relevant? She's beautiful. It's Ellen Pompeo. Okay. We're moving on. Okay, so... I forgot what I was talking about. What's that song called? It's Pompeii by Bastille. Ellen Pompeo by (laughs) Bastille. (laughs) So I forgot what I was talking about, but... Grey's Anatomy. Helen and Oh, it reminds me of the relationship between uh, Christina Yang and Meredith Grey. So this is like diving deep between like Avatar fandom and Grey's fandom. So if you overlap here, this is for you. Those four people are really happy (laughs) right now. This is for you. But like... The, their it's relationship more than four people. Their relationship is really beautiful in that uh, it's not always something that I would advise, but like they have a zero judgment relationship. And what like the way that I can phrase that is when when Meredith says, "Hey, I uh, broke up with X person," and Christina says, "All right, do we hate him, or am I like am I on board with them?" And so like it's not a let me feel this out. It's like, I am on your side no matter what. And there's just a little bit of like camaraderie that happens in that. That's really beautiful. And is that always healthy? The answer is no, but <laughs> it's one of those things where like, that's in it. Sorry, that, it says. that in and of itself is a really beautiful thing. And I just, I, I have been thinking about that for a long time because how much do you want that friend? That's just like, always. I, I want friends that challenge me, but I also want that friend. That's just like, I'm, I'm with you. And that's the hard part about all this, right? Because there's moments where it is much better for, for me to challenge you or to you to challenge me on that feeling. And who is – yeah, and who's a better option, right? And there are times where, yes, I know that is the best option, and don't do that. Commiserate with me for a second, right? <laughs> but I think what you have to do is it that's – when does that become common enemy intimacy, and when does that become, no, let's really look at this decision. So, yeah, we're going to hate him right now. And that's not what the relationship is built on, so that's not really common enemy intimacy. And 
there still needs to come to a place where you grow past well, that or you get to a point where that's I can see that as the I'm going to hate him with you. But then maybe a little bit later we can turn the light on and talk about this. Well, and I think that's what's interesting about Zuko is we see that he challenges Katara throughout like the series and through like even for the rest of the season, like they challenge each other. It's not that he's just like complicit and on board with every decision she makes. But in this this moment, he is on board. And I just think that that's something that is worth noting, and I really appreciate it. Yeah, I think we could tie in more to the bloodbending, but I really think that really just falls into her act, acting outside of her values because 100%. she's she's halting in that moment. She is she is angry and tired and feels lonely. She definitely feels alone in this. We know that even though there's people that can empathize with her, I feel like she feels like she's on an island. Well, and I think that's really a a a, a neat thing to think about in the sense that. Ooh, where is she hitting rock bottom? Is it during bloodbending? Is it when she's walking away from that bloodbending moment where she's like, oh man. There's a good chance that had she not Because she didn't do it. Had she with not Yon done Ra. the bloodbending, had she not done it then and felt the, I didn't, I didn't like that. Or she might have gone further with Yon Ra. And I, I think I, the bloodbending might have been like a, there's my boundary. So. So, so I, is, I know that's my boundary. Yeah. So I wonder, is is that time, is that, uh, that I don't know, that space between something that's worth noting, right? I, and I think the answer for me is, like, the more space you have between your feeling uh, at your lowest point where you're like, I need, I'm, like, seeking revenge to the point where you have to enact it. To me, it feels like the more space that's there, the more, uh, the more opportunity for change and and stepping out of it. It gives you more and more like chances to step out. Count of Monte Cristo is probably not a good example to bring up here, but uh, I would argue that that's more an argument for justice than it is revenge. Yeah, because what can Katara truly do to hold him accountable? So all this being said, I'm glad she didn't kill him, right? And you wish he's held accountable in some way. The, like, so what are the options, right? Well, is, that's what I'm saying. And she doesn't have anything she can do in that moment to hold him accountable. All she can do is to work to dismantle the system. And so that's where the focus needs to go. If she were in Earth Kingdom territory or Water Tribe territory, she might be able to like capture and bring him to a, a trial where they can determine it there. Right? Correct. Not here. Yeah, everything but, that he did, like, but he's in the Fire Nation, justified, and there, there, he's probably some like a war hero. He it got rid of the last strange. bender in the Water Tribe. It seems strange that his retirement led to him farming with his with his mother with his mother that we could potentially call names if we let ourselves. I've got zero. I mean. I think what's the most generous assumption you can give her? Well, well, I'm curious. What's the most generous assumption of him? Like, okay, like you are in a house where you are taking this abuse from your mother. What seems to be could be only today, or it could be a regular occurrence based off of his comments saying, Hey, you could take revenge by taking my mother. I'm sensing there's some trauma there. We also know that it's it's likely he is not a reformed human based off of that comment. Sure. And he was very quick and willing to give up his own family members for safety. Well, and I think that's ultimately what turned Katara off from being like, I don't you're you're suffering enough. (laughs) 
I don't, I don't need to take your life. Right. Right. Um, but like, I'm just curious because I wonder what his life like was like growing up and how much of a factor did that play? It, it plays a factor. There's all we the, will all, never know. No, all the data points that nurture plays a factor. We know this. We do. Know nurture this. plays a factor. Absolutely. A pretty massive factor. Actually, like a whole lot of a factor. Yes. We know this. There's a lot of true. data on this. There's so much data. And it is very important to understand. There's two things I want to highlight because this, I think they fall into a similar thing, and I meant to say it earlier. Cool, 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 cool. Nurture matters. It matters in, in the way that people behave. It points to behaviors. It doesn't mean we don't get to hold people accountable. It. I don't think we should be vengeful. We shouldn't be taking lives because of it. Here, but, here. But we should be holding people accountable. I want to go back to Halt real fast. Mm, love that. Halt is not permission to behave poorly. Oh, no. It that is, is an awareness piece. It is, it is piece. an awareness piece of am I hungry? angry lonely or tired that is a mantra to be like where like i made a mistake okay check in it is not okay if i yell at a partner because i'm hungry i'm hungry it might be the reason why but it's not an excuse for us to do that and i just wanted i don't want us to leave this episode and be like anytime i'm hungry angry lonely or tired i I get to yell at someone because i've got you know a reason to do it now i feel like one of i feel like one of our themes from the whole podcast is you can be empathetic and hold people accountable. Right. And I think this is a moment, right? Like where you, just because we understand where someone is coming from and we understand why someone is making a decision that they're making doesn't mean that we're going to let them do it because we understand. It means we can be compassionate in our response when we hold them accountable. Drop mic. Yep. Hmm. Anything else you want to add in this episode? Any revenge that you saw in Sokka's paint me like one of your French girl moments? Ooh, I forgot we forgot. we didn't even talk about that. <laughs> that just happened. Oh man, what a what a moment! Uh, there's two things. One's one's small, and one's I mean, I didn't have anything question. really to t- tackle on. So yeah, um, the the flashback, like the Fire Nation, are always wearing masks. And in the tribe between the water and the fight between the Water Tribe and the Fire Nation, mm-hmm. when the Southern Raiders invade, yes. they're all wearing masks. And so I, I just, like, again, I, we've probably talked about this on our mask episode, but I was so long ago that I just thought it was worth re-mentioning. Like, does it make it easier to commit crimes when your face is covered? I think so, yes. Right? And I, I, I agree. I just... Because even in those moments, you are a part of the whole. It's the, sa- it's the same idea of wearing uniforms. It's the same... When you're a part of a whole, you don't you don't feel like less of a cog. It's not an individual decision. It's well, the, it's, it's more than it's that the, though. It's the group decision. It's, it's the mentality. It's the culture. It's. I would say f- taking that even further is covering your face, mm-hmm. right? Because it removes that that anonymity. It's where Nemo sleeps. Yeah, but like that is a crucial part of. Being able to put yourself in a position where you're work- – like, I wonder if it's easier for the soldiers, like – I wonder if it was their decision, mm-hmm. right? Instead of saying, you need to wear masks. It's – like, because I just imagine the subversion of, like, being able to look someone in the eye when on the battlefield and see their face and be like, we shouldn't be doing this. Mm-hmm. And they've removed that as a possibility. 
right? I, mean, I still think you can you can still look someone in the eye, but again, if your face is covered, it's just like there's so much. They're not looking it? back. Ninety percent of communication comes from body language. That like is that? A, well, I look, a, we looked it up on an episode a while ago. It's some yeah. It's something like it's a lot. But like tone of voice and all that stuff gets is nonverbal still like yeah okay but more, like I just think that yeah. I I think revenge is easier when it's anonymous we see like I just yeah yeah that's all I have on that one and then my second question is there's something that Yan Ra says like something along the lines of you deserve to take revenge. You deserve this, and is like I'm. I think my question is: Is revenge ever something that we deserve? No. Tell me more. No, I. Um, <laughs> I think my hope, and we've t- and it's such a challenging philosophy. I think my hope is that everyone has a chance of redemption. We have to, and I think we'll get to it. But we have to be able to assume the that there's a chance of good in everyone. And I think that doesn't mean you don't take precautions. It doesn't mean you don't hold people accountable, but I think we have to do that. Well, and I, and I think we have to make the distinction. You deserve justice. You deserve human dignity. You deserve deserve to heal, to be loved. You deserve to feel like you belong in a place. You deserve healing. You deserve to feel safe. You do not deserve the other person's life. Correct. Right and Correct. like and I and I think that that's just a really important distinction. And we're talking in extremes, right? We're talking about taking lives as a form of revenge. There are there are smaller forms of revenge, but I think the premise is still the same. And do the smaller forms of revenge do they live inside your value system? Truly, yeah. Right? Not yes. A spouse like, cheats on me. I agree. <laughs> Does stabbing their car tires live inside my value system? Probably not. Probably not. Um, and that's, that's, those are, that's a little one, right? That's a hundred dollar damage. I stabbed your front tire and that doesn't live inside my value system. But what is this going to accomplish? And if it is, I'm trying to exact hurt or pain, then is that living inside your value system? And is condoning it? How does that affect values too? For being that best friend? That's like you, like this bad thing. You You just did that. You just did this bad thing. Hey, you you're you're right. He deserved that. I think that's a emp- empathic miss, and that's something you know my girl Brene talks about. And I love that it's an empathic miss. It doesn't mean you're a bad person, right? But those are just chances for us to do better. Yeah. Yes. And so, Dang. and it's hard. I Fight almost got flight, through an man. episode without it's talking hard. about her. Brene. <laughs> yeah. My, my girl. She's great. I love her. She's great. All right, uh, Max. Anything to add for this episode? We should add a Patreon thing where like we talk about Brene. I, <laughs> you want to go through all of the, the online classes with us? Yeah. No. <laughs> Max, anything to add this episode? Uh, no, not at this time. All right. Well, uh, we'll be right back. We'll do a, I believe we have a voicemail. We sure do. And we will be back and listen to that in just a moment. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We are so excited to be here. We're almost done with season three. We didn't know we were going to get to this point, but it's because of you that we're here. Thank you for listening and helping us do that. You can find us on really uh, cool places. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, 
BNB underscore pod is where we will provide you with fun daily memes, quotes, and other fun things. I do also want to take a moment to tell you about our Patreon page because that is what helps us continue to grow and bring really cool guests in like the ones you've been hearing so far. Uh, one, uh, our tier one allows us to invite you into a Facebook group where we have really awesome discussion questions. We have a chance to talk about lens choices and we just get to let you bring in us into the conversation. Tier two is where we have episodes coming in early for our Patreon, our patrons, excuse me. We also uh, release bonus episodes. Max, our producer, releases really cool Max's choice episodes where he, we do the same thing that we do for the for this except with his choice. So you should try that out. We also do little bonus episodes. Tier three, we have this really awesome opportunity to do live episodes with the team. And that has been really fun to do so far. We hope that you'll join us for that uh, next month. And I look forward to it. And I really hope that you know that we care about you. A portion of our proceeds always go to a charitable organization that our patrons uh, vote on to help us support. And thank you again. Thank you for being here. We love doing Bending Not Breaking and... We're going to get back to the episode right now. Thanks so much. See you next time. You have reached the voicemail box of... Bending Not Breaking. Please leave a message after the tone. Hello, Sunshine, Ben, and of course, Max. I'm Hannah, long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, something that is a topic for me that I feel is brought up a lot is the labeling of Katara as the mom of the group or being motherly. Um, there's two things that come to mind for me. One is that Katara explicitly states that this is not how she wants to be perceived, as uh, we see in the episode The Runaway. Um, and part of it is I think that Katara is, is aware of the trauma she's been through losing her mom and uh, how she's had to step up, but also that she is just a teenager existing in a group with other teenagers and wants to have a sense of belonging in that group and calling her a mom or bossy or any of those things really kind of separates her out from the other kids and she tells us she does not want to feel that way. Um, so it's interesting to me that she tells us that and still that label very much is thrown at her. Um, two, why are we so quick to label girls or women who take charge as being moms um, or acting like someone else's mom? And it's not that being a mom is a bad thing, but we don't label boys or men who step up as dads. We just label them as leaders. And I think of the episode The Desert, because this is the episode that I often see memed with, you know, Sokka in his cactus state and Katara, you know, wrangling everybody in and her, you know, this is a mom having to wrangle her wild friends in a place. Um, and really what I see is Katara seeing her friends dealing with trauma or dealing with a lack of confidence or a lack of control, making bad decisions. And she steps up and she takes control of the situation and guides everybody to safety as best she can um, while keeping everyone together and arguably gets everybody out of the desert alive. Um, and that is a strong, clear, and fair leader. And I would just really like to know what your thoughts are on this and how we can all kind of shift our thinking when it comes to women in leadership roles, especially for our girl Katara. Um, anyway, I love this show. Thank you so much for taking the time to make this. And I cannot wait to hear more. Wow, Hannah. 
you are speaking to things that we probably have not done enough justice with on the show, frankly. Oh, we definitely haven't. Thank you um, so much for your voicemail. One of the things, there's, there's several things that I loved. One, I love how you called out the fact that she doesn't want to be perceived as motherly, especially in that episode. And like, if I recall the response from, I think Toph was like something along the lines of you're too sensitive. And I'll be man, man, that, that line is so triggering for me. Um, and to, to really put it into perspective in that moment, like, I think we talked about it, but we just did not spend enough time on it. So like, what was your response to, to that? She's so right. Yeah, this, this idea Clearly. of we don't do this to ma- males are leaders. We don't tell them that they're 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 fathers. Yeah, that like, was the second point I wanted to. And make I for think sure. for me it was it's this moment of are we pushing even subconsciously based on a society are we pushing people into you don't have value unless you're a mother if you are female, right? Like is this a thing where we we're gonna tell you you're a mother and you're very motherly and this is a thing because that's what we want you to do because the workforce and leading and all that stuff is for the men. And, and patriarchy, yeah, and and reality no. is that's not <laughs> – well, yes, no, <laughs> correct, no. Um, yeah, out of context on that, like, three-second clip is going to be very – Yeah, not no. <laughs> um, but I think do we do that subconsciously? Do we do that as a society? Is And we're telling, we're telling girls and women that you behave this way and you need to be motherly and that's where you have value. Well, and I'll lift me and, up as, and, an, as and, a case and study. And no, we're not in – no. I, we I, have to shatter that. I 100% agree, and I'm guilty of this. Like, I, as I as soon as I heard you say we don't call people out for being fatherly, I was like, oh, I've totally called people motherly, but I've never, I've never called somebody like you're very fatherly. You're, you're such a dad, like in in the sense that like they're being like so responsible, and like, and if it does come out, it's like you're being dad as in like, you know dad jokes well it's also do we not expect dads to behave that way well and that's exactly right and so like how no, it's cool if dads are cold and aloof and making the money and that's and they're, they're making dads do. all they and do like, is make dad jokes and, yeah. and they have dad bod and there's no like there's there's that all of that language is so detrimental and it's part of patriarchal language that you are absolutely naming hannah and we need to do a better job of calling it out yeah so thank you for sure. Yeah, please send in more of these points. We we like them. This is why we're trying to have more females on the show. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. Let's jump into our devotion. Devotion time. Cool, cool. So Revenge. Through a lens of Earth. <laughs> Earth. Oh, dear. Um, I haven't thought about this. I think for me, I have. So I'll go first. To... It's going to seem simple, and I, I feel like I've said it before, but I also think it's worth reevaluating on a regular basis, is what are your cornerstones, what are your values, what are your foundational pieces? And if you are going to behave in a way that is meaningful to them, you need to focus on those and have those as an awareness piece when you are making decisions. My goal this week is to do just that. Um, mm. Mm. And so I can I can live yeah. into those values because I can name them and I can talk about them and I can look through the lens of when I make decisions, am I doing that through love and belonging? And that is the foundation for any decision that I make. Yeah. And so I think that's my goal this week. I'm going to hop on a similar train with we've we've had cricket talk about protective factors. She specifically mentioned them in the beach episode. I think we briefly touched on them last episode, but 
Uh, one, thank you, Cricket, for giving us language. She's but, great. She's um, going to come join us all the time, and I love it. Yeah. Uh, but the, these idea of protective factors that we can build in, and one of the things like this past week, I've been entrenched with school, and it's like the first exam season of the semester for me, and I've had, uh, I've, I have for the first time in school felt inadequate, and when I feel inadequate, I'm likely to make decisions that are, I'm, I'm in a position where I'm more likely to make decisions that I don't feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. So I'm in, I need to remember my foundation i.e earth right i need to remember that foundation and the structural uh things that keep me supported right and 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 that's like when i'm feeling down what do i need to do to you know we talked about this on the facebook group actually Mm -hmm. uh or a facebook group um somebody was like one of the memes recently that we posted was how do you fill your cup Mm -hmm. and I was like, I had an epiphany when I was re- typing a response. They were like, what do you, what about you? I was like, well, well I, I fill my cup by going outside. And then I realized that it's not, that's not what fills my cup. That's what cleans the cup so mm-hmm. that I'm not drinking dirty water. I need to go outside to clean my cup. And, and then, then something else I fills fill it, it yeah. by like having community and building, like having friendship. Mm-hmm. And that's what fills my cup. But yes. I can't do that. I'm, I'm not capable of doing that if my cup is dirty. And so... That's what I want to do. That's what I want to focus on. I want to focus on my foundation, really make sure my structural supports are in place to keep me standing. Yeah. Important. Yeah. Play piano. Hang out with friends. Yeah. Those safely things. while wearing a mask and maintaining six feet of distance. Those are the things. But yes, right? Yeah. Gratitude. Time to get to gratitude because we got to wrap this episode up. Gratitude. Uh, mine's simple. Gratitude. Except not so simple. It's just Katara. Gratitude. That decision, the decision she makes to not kill him, the decision she makes to not hurt Yanra, is incredibly courageous, incredibly brave, and incredibly difficult. Mm. And so all the gratitude to her for being able to do that. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm grateful. I, I mean, I feel like I've said this all episode, but I'm really grateful for Zuko. I'm grateful for the non-judgmental space he creates for her to go through this and get to the point where she can do what you just talked about to get to the point. Like he gave her that space and what a gift that he was able to give her. And I think that's really beautiful. And so I'm grateful for Zuko for that. I'm grateful for you. And I'm grateful for Max. Max, thank you for being here. I'm grateful for Max. Join us next week as we look at the Ember Island players through a lens of humor. 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 That was my band's name in high school. The Ember Island Players? Yes. Interesting. I don't believe you. I thought so, too. The world is small. Did you have someone in that band that liked Avatar The Last Airbender? Likely. Not as far as I know. Not y- not you. No. You've never seen the episode. What? Of what? <laughs> I'm Sunshine Mayfield. This has been Bruin. And this has been Bending, not breaking. Thank you for listening. Bye.